Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi there, welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast where women can share their experiences with pregnancy and birth, a space created solely for women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the detail. In this episode, I chat to Steph about her journey with IVF. Steph and her partner attended clinics both here and abroad, and after five rounds of treatment, Steph was successful after treatment in Prague. So she talks me through her pregnancy and the birth of her daughter Sophie. Although Sophie was born eight years ago, Steph and her husband continue to work with um, work and support couples who are just about to enter into IVF. And Steph in particular has recently gained a coaching qualification. So she brings that into practice when she's helping couples. You can find Steph on her Instagram page under Steph B, where she talks very openly about her journey with IVF, but also gives tips um, to employers and how to and friends and family who have or know someone who's going through the journey with infertility. So I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Steph, thanks a million for coming on to chat to me about your, your journey um, into motherhood. Do you want to start by giving us a little introduction? Thanks. So my name is Stephanie Brady, and um, my husband and I got married in 2005, 15 years married this year. And uh, we didn't plan on having kids straight away even though we were a little bit older when we got married. I think I was 32 when I got married. Yeah, 32. And we said we wanted a couple of years of traveling before we had kids. And then, sure, we started trying when I was 34. And you think you'll get pregnant straight away because you spend all your life trying not to get pregnant. So you think it's going to be um, it's gonna be like that, you know. And it wasn't. And it turned into a very, very long, um, hard and enlightening journey. I, I came out of the journey uh, in a very different space to what I went into it. So I would never wish that journey away. But what my husband and I try to do is sort of light the light for other people who are going through it because it's a minefield. So when did you realize that things weren't happening the way um, you expected them to? Um, I suppose I had my doubts fairly quickly because things have never been super straightforward for me when it comes to my cycle and my system and all that. I just had a feeling things weren't right. Um, so went to the doctor, I suppose maybe nine months into trying because everybody says wait a year, you know, went to the doctor. And I remember I was 34, uh, 35, I suppose at this stage. And the doctor gave me a lesson on the birds and the bees, making sure I knew, you know, when to have sex and how to have sex. And I was like, mm, Okay, um, yeah, that's that's a bit challenging now. I, I I need a bit more, bit more from you than than this. And they just said, you know, it can take time, and that was it. So I said, okay, didn't happen, didn't happen. And then um, 
I had to get a small operation. I've had to get a lot of small procedures done over the years, cysts. Um, and then I went in because they thought I had a fibroid. And I went in uh, to a great guy in the Hermitage and he discovered that my cervix was completely closed. He said, you'll never have gotten pregnant because your cervix was completely closed. Wow. Um, I know, right? I'd never even heard of that before. So he got rid of my fibroid, opened me up and I got pregnant really quickly, um, which was amazing. But then unfortunately I lost it. Um, I was about six weeks pregnant and I lost the baby. But again, never felt, I think a lot of people have miscarriages know this but sometimes it just doesn't feel like it's taken you don't feel pregnant like other people feel um so I had the miscarriage and then I had all the usual advice that people give you know you're so fertile now you'll get pregnant straight away and all this and you know another year later we still weren't pregnant um so I think at that stage and, and this is something I need to actually say to people who are listening who are going through the same problem when you have your baby you forget everything so people ask me now about medicine, different drugs. What did I do then? And what did I do then? And even recently I had to ask Deck, my husband, and how many cycles might be did we do again? Because it's really strange. Once you have your baby in your arms, at least for me, and I know a lot of people have said it to me too, they forget everything. So I'm not sure the order of events um, is the exact order. But um, yeah, after the miscarriage, we waited a little bit longer, but time was ticking, you know. Um, Declan is four years older than me. So I was, what, 35? He was turning 40. Um, and we really felt time was, time was moving on. So I think at that stage, we probably just went straight to a clinic. I think we just went straight. We picked um, a clinic and we just went straight there. I think, we went, I think we went straight to a clinic. I can't remember if we went and got referred, because I don't think you need to get referred to IVF clinics. I think you just ring and say, we're having a bit of a problem. I think we probably went straight to a clinic. And... I can't even remember how we, we picked it. Um, there was no Instagram back then. So there was none of these uh, lovely ways to talk to experts that we have now. So I think I just Googled, probably just Googled. And the clinic we picked was close to my work. That was it. The clinic we picked was close to my work. And we've been warned about all the appointments and that it would be handy to have one that's, you know, uh, close enough to home or close enough to the job. So, so um, who are you speaking to throughout the year? Did you go and visit your GP or did you go for acupuncture? What did you do in, in, to yeah. try and help things? At that point, nothing except I went down a Google hole. Um, I used to suffer hugely with my anxiety and uh, it wasn't a good time for me anxiety-wise. So I would have been Google queen, like just researching, researching, reading, reading, reading. I didn't do IVF at that or sorry, I didn't do acupuncture at that point. I think I went to the doctor a few times. I remember Sophie's eight now and... I was trying for what I wrote it down here I was trying for about five years I think so quite a long time ago um and I have all I've kept all the information uh in emails because I said one day I'll write it all down you know and I kept it for Sophie as well in case she ever wants to look at the journey we went on um but I don't I'm not great with dates and and, and sort of sequences but yeah I'm sure I went back and forth to the doctor because I had a lot of problems with my periods and and things like that so I knew there was something wrong so I'm sure I was in and out of my GP, all right. But I just never felt I got the answers. And, and that was really a theme. If I could go back to myself at the start, I would have been a lot more assertive and aggressive with my care. That's definitely a lesson learned. Um, because we had some bad experiences with the clinic and really the vulnerability that you have 
as a couple who can't conceive, it's, it's huge. And I think it's really underestimated by the clinics. Um, so, yeah, we went to the clinic and really I had nobody to talk to because, again, there was nobody. I mean, now with Instagram, it's incredible. I collect all these experts and they're so accessible. You know, I have a list of these people or these groups or support networks uh, and they're also accessible now. That wasn't the case when I was going to IVF. And so within the clinic, like you were saying that you had a bad experience, was there support there, like with counselling or anything like that to help you guys? No, no. I actually did my own counselling at the start of the IVF journey because I was really struggling with getting my head around it. The kind of person I was back then, firstly, I was very anxious. Um, I had huge issues with anxiety and um, very, very hard on myself. So my body was the problem. I felt maybe even my anxiety was stopping it. So I was being hard on myself about my anxiety and about my way of dealing with it. Um, so I went to a counsellor and that was one of the best things I could have done because I had zero coping strategies, like I had none. So he worked with me on my self-talk, on my coping strategies. So that was good. I think IVF would have been a lot harder for me if I hadn't have done that. But that was self-driven. That Again, I go back to you've got to be assertive and planned and organised with your treatment. And I, I sort of have some ideas of what I'd like to do to try and help some people with IVF, help them early days with a sort of a strategy that, you know, if you come up against this, what do you think would work for you guys as a couple? Or if you come against this, what do you think would work for you guys? Because you go into it blind and it's a, it's a bit of a minefield, you know? Yeah, it definitely sounds like you need to um, be, it sounds like nearly aggressive, does it? Yeah, and I hate that word, but yeah, a little yeah. bit. Um, I'll give you an example. So the clinics, the clinic that I dealt with, I felt like a number and I felt like I was on a conveyor belt and you're spending a lot of money. Um, so my, my eggs are really poor. I have low quality eggs and low quantity. So know that going in. And I'm on the absolute max of the drugs. They put me on the top drugs from the get-go because they said, right, let's just, let's just get, throw everything at this and see what happens. Um, and I'm allergic to penicillin. So, and every time I have penicillin, I get sicker and sicker. So I always tell everybody, any kind of doctor I'm in touch with, even any pharmacist, I'll always double check that there's no penicillin in whatever they give me. So tell the clinic, allergic penicillin. So I went to pick up my drugs and you get bags of drugs. It's actually quite overwhelming. Nobody tells you that either. You're hand, you, know the, you know the chemist bags, the big ones? You're handed two full bags of these when you go to the chemist, and that's quite overwhelming. And I, the, the chemist went through the list with me, and I just said, um, is there any penicillin in there? And he said, yeah, actually, this is penicillin. And I went into the clinic, and I said, I told you I was allergic to penicillin, and you, you, you gave me penicillin. Like, and that, for me, was a big, big sign of how you're a number. And they're like, oh, God, sorry. And they put it on top of the form and they highlight it this time. And I was like, that's not really good enough with the amount of money I'm paying you. Um, and thankfully, I check. I always check. The other thing that made me feel like we're on a conveyor belt is, again, like I said, my eggs are not good. You get scanned every couple of days when you're, um, when you're taking the drugs and they're getting you ready for egg retrieval. Every single time. It was like I had to apologize for how poor my ovaries were responding. They would literally sigh. They, they, and you're very vulnerable because you're lying there with this thing up your vagina, you know, checking your ovaries. And they're like, oh, you're, you're not really responding very well, are you? And it's like you're lying on the bed going, well, um, I don't have great eggs. That's why I'm here in the clinic with you. That's why I'm handing you thousands of euros. So I found that challenging. And again, the me now would kind of say, listen, you know, can we talk about this? I'm not enjoying this experience. And, you know, maybe... Maybe you could try and relax me a little bit by not 
you know, reacting so badly <laughs> with my ovaries yeah. aren't reacting as well. But that's why I'm here, you know, that's why I'm I'm here with you. So I found that quite challenging. And and I wish I could go back to the old me and say, stand up for yourself a little bit more, challenge them more, question them more. Um, you're paying them a lot of money and that's their job to answer your questions, but you felt kind of rushed through um each each uh, appointment. So we did um gosh, how many cycles do we do in Ireland? Three or four. And then we found uh, an amazing support group just by accident. Uh, somebody said to me, have you ever heard of them? And I said, never. And they said, we really recommend you go um, to the support group. And uh, I, I'd say, I'd safely say it changed our lives um, because suddenly you're in a room where you don't have to start at the beginning of your story. It's very difficult when you're explaining um, infertility to people who haven't experienced it like you're going to start from the beginning you know every time or you just don't explain it all because it's just too exhausting to to explain it and too emotional it's amazing being in a room with couples who you can just just start wherever you want to start you know whatever's on your mind yeah and I always worry about these things that it's going to be like a sort of a pity party you know lots of people crying in corners and it wasn't like that at all there was so much laughing so much joking so much camaraderie community uh care of each other and great advice because people had tried things before, different clinics and things like that. So through them, we went to a clinic in Prague because, again, we could get advice from people who'd been there. And that was an amazing experience. That was that was off the charts compared to the Irish experience. So um, it sounds like there's like possibly a need for someone. So as a couple, when you guys go in, that you meet someone that kind of brings you through and supports you to every appointment that you have. They sit in the room with you and support you do you know so someone who like represents you guys as well you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure this I'm sure it comes to a stage when um maybe you can't voice how you feel but they would have spent mm-hmm. a couple of hours with this so they know you know and you've written down yeah. your preferences or whatever that'd be sounds like it yeah. would be maybe what you guys would have needed or I don't know if you would have wanted that I, th- I don't think you know what you want and, and this is one idea I have for um how I can support couples through because now I've got the coaching um qualification as well yeah. I've, I've sort of worked out a strategy and how I could coach couples through a strategy that we do at the start of their IVF journey, where I ask them a lot, a lot of questions, do like personality tests, see what kind of people they are. Very simple question that people don't know at the start is, are you going to tell people you're doing this or not? It's a very difficult question because it depends on the people who are surrounding you. It depends on how you feel like I'm a sharer. I'm an oversharer, but a lot of people aren't. And so what's right for me isn't right for you. It's a big thing because once you've told, you can't untell. So, you know, I think even that alone is a question that's worth delving into with a couple and using personality tests to see what kind of person are you? Are you the kind of person that likes sharing? Are you uncomfortable with sharing? Well, let's let's figure out a plan that works for you around your personalities and around your situation currently that's individual for you. So it's something I'm kind of exploring. And every time I think of something that I wish I'd known, I'm writing it down. see how how could I coach people through that you know and help them understand what do I need before this all hits me it's very overwhelming once you're in it once you're in the system you know do you find then that if you are like open with telling people that you just get questions then and up people looking for updates obviously like they're doing it because they're interested and care about you but you did you find that overwhelming um I think I learned really quickly how to manage that um I think, well, I think at the start, you, you, you don't manage it very well, right? So you get a bit overwhelmed with people's questions. And also, 
I struggled a little bit with how much people cared because then you feel like you're looking after them a little bit, you know? So, uh, and you know, the, the, the sympathy and the feeling sorry for me, I struggled with, you know, when people are coming up to you with those moony kind of, Oh, how is she today? Eyes. It's like, Jesus Christ on ground. Like, you know, um, so that I struggled with. So what I did was, cause I was really open about it. Was I just message people? I don't want to talk about it today. I'm grand. Do you know? Cause like, when you're in great form, you don't want somebody going, oh, how are you? Like, well, I was grand, but now, now I'm not. And also when the IVF failed, I would let people know that that morning that it had failed and um, I'm not going to I'm not going to be available today because I just needed to lick my wounds. Me and Dec just needed a day together to lick our wounds and then kind of bounce back and figure out and do the talking uh, later on that week. So I kind of learned how to manage it um, by expressly messaging people and saying this is what I need today from you and people seemed okay with it and if they weren't that's okay too you know yeah so then when you guys um decided to go to Prague so bring me through that journey then yeah so that is again another overwhelming thing because now you're looking at a different country um a whole new clinic and you've got all these hopes that um it'll work because we're doing something completely different you know it was an amazing experience so first of all, I knew people who'd gone to that clinic and all I heard was great things. That's really helpful. Um, and then what we did was we separated the work. So Declan worked on the logistics. So the flights, the tram, the hotel, how we were going to get from A to B, because really when I'm doing all the medical stuff, like making sure I'm injecting myself at the right times every day, taking the, the, the tablets at the right times of the day, going to get my scans done in Ireland, figuring, getting the doctor in Ireland to talk to the doctor in Prague. I was doing all that so uh, he figured out the logistics um which is stressful because again you're all on it's all time it's it's time ticking you know you need to get your eggs retrieved on this date you can't get them retrieved on it you know so it's all quite um challenging um but he's great at that stuff so that worked really well for us instead of both of us trying to do all the jobs we, we very much divided the jobs um we went over for a weekend to check out Prague and check out the clinic which was the best thing you could do. I would not just turn up. Um, and I got such a great feeling off them. It's just such a great feeling. It's a lovely city, first of all. And the clinic, as soon as you walked in, there was a vibe that was missing from the one I was using in Ireland. And the doctor actually said to me, she said, you've got a great, your, your womb looks amazing. And I was like, nobody has ever said anything nice about any of my female bits in any of this journey. <laughs> and it sounds like such a simple thing, but somebody telling me that bits something, one part of me was working was amazing for my head, you know? Mm-hmm. So we just felt great after going there and their customer liaison was amazing. So they do have like, a, um, like you were saying earlier, like a customer representative. Theirs was phenomenal. She was all over it. Her English was incredible. It was like, it was her native language. The doctor's English was incredible as well. So I found a doctor in Ireland that I, I loved, a gynecologist that had helped me with another issue, um, I think another procedure or operation I had to, had to have. And he helped um, liaise with them. So I was doing stuff in Ireland, going to him. He was talking to the clinic in Prague. Um, he does that now. Uh, as a, He actually created um, his own clinic to do that now. But he was so good at it because I heard from the NISIC support group that some of them were very challenged at getting the doctor in Ireland to um, communicate with the clinic in Prague. So yeah, I, was I was going to ask what the relationship was like there and yeah. was it, you know, how they, did they respect that or? 
brilliant. My, I was so lucky. It was brilliant. But I, I have to say, this guy, I went to him. I can't remember what procedure I had to go to him for. I was blown away by him. It was like dealing with a builder. Like he's that practical, common sense, layman approach to this. But at the same time, he's creative and he has this attitude, I'm going to get you pregnant. And I love that. Like I love somebody who's up for a challenge and doesn't tell me, oh, well, your eggs are crap and this is crap. And, you know, that's what I felt I heard from the clinic I was using in Ireland with everything that was wrong with me. Well, let's talk about what's right with me, because, uh, you know, some of this is around, you know, mindset and believing that you can. Some of it, you know, not all of it, but some of it. You need to be in the right headspace. So he was amazing. Um, so yeah, he, he did all the liaising, um, and just got me sorted, kept an eye on the, the, the thickness of the womb, you know, all that has to work and has to be perfect before you get on the plane. And then we went over to Prague and we did the whole actual sort of IVF piece over there. And then I got the, finally, I got the, what was it? The blue line, the positive pregnancy test. The first one out of all the IVFs we did. Um, and that was Sophie. Oh, amazing. Oh, it was Sophie. Cool. That was Sophie, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so after, so just for those who are just about to enter into the process or um, what, what is it? So what did you do then when you went over to Prague? What did you have to do? Um, now, again, I'm not good with the memory and remembering which bits happened where. So he got me all primed up over here. And then over in Prague was where the actual sort of operations took place and the... Um, the uh, getting the embryos ready and then uh, and then implanting them back in um and that was amazing as well in ireland um it's pretty medical what happened in prague was the embryologists took us into a room and showed us on a screen all of our embryos and we picked the embryos together i'll never forget the experience i'll actually never get over it they were adorable the two embryologists they were unreal and they were like, literally, we, we were quite surprised at the detail they were going in. They were describing each embryo and the positives of each embryo. And they were like, well, we'd recommend these two. But after what we've told you, what would you like to do? And we were like, yeah, we'll happy go with your recommendation. But it was so um, human. And it was really adorable picking Sophie's embryo. Like that, is, that, that was just mind blowing that we were able to do that, you know? Yeah, that's gorgeous. So, again, a different yeah. level different level of care and service than than what we got in Ireland at the time so how many cycles then did you do in total was it five I think we did five we did five and then we had Sophie and then we did one more after Sophie was one and we all went over to Prague together I was still off work and we did one more and that didn't work unfortunately but um we were good I mean um secondary infertility is something I'm only really um learning about now because of my interactions with a lot of women it wasn't something I was worried about. We had our family. We were very happy with one um, and we would have loved to, but it was more, it was more I wanted that other baby for everybody else. I, it wasn't as much for me, if you know what I mean. I wanted it for Sophie. I wanted it for Declan. Um, of course, I would have loved another baby, but it wasn't uh, my be all. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And uh, I mean, years ago, I would have loved three, four, five kids, but I'm so happy with the one, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that I was able to come to peace with that very, very quickly, you know, and then I was done. <laughs> and I was like, I turned 40 that year and I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> the other thing was when I was pregnant with Sophie, I had hypermesis. Uh, yeah. So let's get into your pregnancy then and how, and how you got through those nine months. Yeah. So you had hypermesis then the, you were sick, pretty sick. Uh, pretty sick. I was dead for the, for the whole nine months. Um, I felt her moving. I think I was 16 weeks pregnant. And I said to the doctor, is that even possible? And he said, you are skin and bone because I couldn't eat anything. I was throwing everything up. I was on a drip at 26 weeks um, and I literally, I couldn't eat a thing. I, I, I have a photograph of myself and you should see my collarbone. It is literally out because um, I couldn't eat a thing. But because I wanted her so badly, it was like every day I knew I was still pregnant because I was as sick as a dog. So half of me was like, I can't believe I'm so sick. I was dead like dead 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 but the other half of me was like but she's fine that means she's fine she's perfect I can feel her moving she was moving every day and I was puking every day so it's like um you know we knew she was fine and but did you go on medication enough, for it no I was too scared to after everything we'd been through I just was too scared and I said I can do this I can do this for nine months this this is doable um and I was hoping it would improve and it did towards the end I was still vomiting every day but I was able to eat you know, I could actually eat towards the end. Actually, I put on three stone, believe it or not, from being like a size six at the start of the pregnancy to um, at the end, I actually put on three stone. So, because um, I was able to eat, but um, 
yeah, uh, it was tough. And it was only when we went to have try and have another baby that I realized I was actually a bit traumatized by how sick I was, but I had hadn't thought of it until I was thinking about being pregnant again. And I was like, how am I going to do this with a one-year-old? Like I'm being that sick. I was actually really scared of being that sick again um, because it was so bad. Yeah, I've heard it's just, it's, it's another level of sickness. And a guy I worked with, he said, uh, he came over to me at one point uh, later in the pregnancy, he said, Steph, I didn't say anything to you at the start, but he said, I was so worried about you. You looked so sick. I've never seen a person who was gray before. He said you were that sick. Um, because she literally was sucking every single nutrient out of me. But again, you don't mind, do you? You know, when you know it's going to be over. And so then in your third trimester, obviously you knew you were going to see Sophie soon. How did you feel coming mm-hmm. into that? You know, I love being pregnant and I never thought I would be. When I was younger, the idea of being pregnant was hideous. And even like doing IVF, I was like, look, I just have to get through this to um, have the baby. But I actually really enjoyed being pregnant. Um, I just really enjoyed having her inside me. And even now I joke because she's such a cuddly kid. Um, I often joke, are you trying to get back inside me? And she's like, yeah, I'd love to get back inside you. <laughs> she just, she, um, I just love that sensation of having her inside me. And finally, you know, having her inside me finally. And she's safe and she's healthy because she was bouncing around like a mad child. She's, um, she's a very active kid and she was very active when I was pregnant. And um, I really enjoyed it. And I did um, hypnobirthing. Oh, brilliant. Uh, I would recommend it to anybody um, because, like I said, I used to struggle with anxiety an awful lot. And I'm convinced the hypnobirthing was one of those things that helped me through the anxiety. And when it came to giving birth to her, I had the best. That 24 hours in the hospital was one of the best times I've ever had in my life. It was absolutely brilliant. And I put a lot of it down to the hypnobirthing because I was just so chilled out. Even the midwives and the nurses were commenting on the fact that I was just nothing was phasing me. Like nothing. And I had to get induced in the end and I had to have a section and none of it phased me. And I, I do put it down to the hypnobirthing. And yeah, so hypnobirthing, what, eight years ago would have been quite a new thing then. So mm-hmm. it wasn't just talked about as much as it is now. Okay, so what would have led you, how would you have been introduced to that then? I can't remember. Again, I was big into Google back then. And it wasn't that I was looking for a pain, uh, you know, a labour with no pain relief. I, I wasn't really interested in that. It was more just that feeling of this is natural, uh, this is what we're supposed to do um, and not to be resisting it. That was more why I decided to do it. Um, and I will say with the hypnobirthing, um, I slept for 12 to 13 hours every single night right up to when I gave birth. And I know a lot of women struggle with their sleep. And if I did wake up during the night, say if I needed to go to the bathroom or anything, I would put my earphone in and I would go asleep with like my head in the pillow and my earphone in the other ear. and I'd be back asleep within five minutes of listening to a hypnobirthing CD. Um, so it was amazing for sleep. I was so calm. I was so, and I actually think it made the hypermesis better because being tired with hypermesis isn't a good combination. Um, so I think I would have been worse uh, without the sleeping. But yeah, 12, 13 hours every single night, right up to the end when I was heavily pregnant. Um, and, and that was the hypnobirthing. Yeah, because your body so, needs yeah. it as well. Yeah. So yeah, it wasn't around pain relief because again, I, they, they induced me and I mean, I couldn't do the exercises because I was induced. I, it was like, you know, zero to agony in, in like <laughs> two minutes. So I got the epidural straight away. And, um, but I was just, I was just happy out. I was, we were playing cards. We were having a laugh all night long. It was just an amazing experience. Um, and I do think a lot of it was that I was just so calm and so happy to be there, you know. And you got induced. So what, what, tell us about that then. <laughs> so 
I thought that I was having end of pregnancy accidental peeing problems. You know, when I was laughing, I was I thought I was peeing. Um, so that was happening for a couple of days. And then I remember this so vividly. We were in home store and more in Blanchardstown picking out a um, hamper for our clothes, uh, a dirty washing hamper. And I said to Declan, oh, my God, I think I peed again. I said, that's a lot this time. And I said, I better go to the bathroom and check. <laughs> I went to the bathroom and I did all those, you know, those tests you read about, you know, what's it smell like and all that stuff. I said to him, I have a funny feeling. <laughs> that might be my waters. So I rang the coom and um, I just said, maybe it's my waters. And they asked me all the questions. They're like, yeah, I think that's probably your waters. So um, again, the hypnobirthing, I was so calm. I said to Deck, as soon as they put, get me in there, they're not going to let me out. So we went for a lovely lunch and played a couple of hands of cards drove over to the house messed around for a while made sure I had everything I wanted to have because I said as soon as I get in that that's it then it's going to be all systems and sure enough when we got into the coom they checked me and they said yeah that was definitely um you've been and and when I told them I'd been doing that sort of peeing for a couple of days they were like "Uh oh so they checked the waters and they said yeah we need to we need to move this along now there's um what do you call it in the the, in the water you know when they check it and there's is the baby poop in the water or something so uh, they said, let's get her out. So they induced me and oh my God, everyone <laughs> was saying to me, are you feeling any pain? I was like, no, 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 it's grand. Lovely, not a bother. And then literally two minutes later, Jesus Christ. <laughs> the How far gone were you then? Oh, it was like a day or two after I was due. Um, she came really, um, I, I went to the coom and they gave me a lovely um, sweep. I'll never forget that experience as long as I live. Um, but it certainly got things moving. Um, so I think she was due... Oh, no, I think I was two days early. I think she was here on the 13th um, and she came along on the 11th. So, yeah, there was days in it. Um, and yeah, so it induced me. It was in the uh, late afternoon and by nine o'clock the next morning, um, I had her in my arms. She wouldn't come out, though. I, I got to eight centimetres dilated and there was just no budge in her and her heart rate kept going down and they said again nothing to panic about they kept having to sit me up in the bed because apparently when I was sitting up the heart rate her heart rate was better and they said listen let's just think about it we might need to give her a hand coming out and we said yeah let's just let's just do the section let's just um okay let's just get her out and make sure she's safe like you know and how did you feel about that then you didn't really have any preferences anyway you just wanted to get baby out safe yeah yeah I didn't care for me like a section again it was no big deal but maybe again it was the hypnobirthing it was no big deal um you know, you're, you, you've got painkillers, like there's no pain, there's no discomfort, you know, you don't see anything. And then I was up and about a day after, you know, I mean, they say if you can get moving quickly, and I did that, I got moving as fast as I could. Um, and no issues with the section whatsoever, never had any pain, nothing. And did you plan on breastfeeding or bottle feeding? I said I'd try. Um, and so I did a bit of reading on it and, you know, all that kind of thing. Um, and it's funny, my sister-in-law said to me when I was pregnant that I was the only pregnant woman she'd ever seen whose boobs didn't get bigger. She said, I think your boobs have actually gotten smaller, Steph. <laughs> so when I had Sophie, the, um, I tried, obviously put her on the boob and nothing came out. So, you know, they say leave your dignity at the door when you're having babies. Um, so next thing I have a midwife with her hands in my top, squeezing my boob, trying to get something out. And she's looking at another midwife going, there's nothing coming out. And I was like, I know. And I'm, I'm like in between them going, I know there's nothing coming out. And I was like, seriously, give her a bottle. Like, like I, I've done enough for this kid. Like, you know, I've, I've really 
I, I can't have done much more. So I, I had no guilt about the breastfeeding thing. Yeah. And I talked to Declan before about it. I said, um, what do you think? He said, Steph, whatever you want. Um, so I said, look, I'm going to try. And if it works, great. But at the same time, there was nothing coming out. I had no, I, I wanted to get her fed. I wanted to get her comfortable. And I felt like I had given my heart and soul to have that baby. And she'd be all right if she didn't. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Grand, you know, she'll live. <laughs> I think that's another um, nod to the hypnobirthing as well. It's just like acceptance and surrender, knowing that it's going to be fine. Yeah, yeah. I don't believe in beating myself up about um, breastfeeding, not breastfeeding, bottle feeding. I don't, I don't believe in doing that to myself or to other women. Um, you know, it's my choice to make. And um, we did everything for her, like every mother does when she was born, making sure she was fed and looked after and I cooked every single bit of food for her until, I don't know, she was probably three, um, you know, did all the baby led weaning, did, did all that stuff. So the fact she didn't get um, breastfed, um, you know, she's been all right. She's very, very healthy. We didn't have any of the issues with eczema and asthma and all those things that people worry about. It was grand. Yeah. And if I could have breastfed, I would have done. So, you know, it's, um, I, I think we give ourselves far too much crap as mothers and give each other far too much crap. I think it's what works for you. And your family and once the baby's looked after yeah. completely agree <laughs> how long were you in hospital for oh yeah that was a funny story um so sophie was a great sleeper from the get-go um she just conked all the time in fact they had to wake her up and force feed her to to um feed her which i actually found quite distressing i don't know if you've ever seen a baby being force fed but it's horrible because she just wouldn't wake up she was happy out um and so everybody else's babies were crying except mine and she was fine like there was nothing wrong with her she was just a great little sleeper um and I wasn't getting any sleep whatsoever even though my baby slept through the night because there was screaming and clattering going on all around me every night by day three I couldn't see straight I was actually seeing stars I was so tired and um I was saying to Deck I think I'd like to go home because Deck's a teacher and he was off so I was coming home to full night sleeps and my mom and his sisters were saying, oh, stay. Because the, the thing, in, you know, years ago would have been stay in hospital as long as you can. And they were like, stay as long as you can. And I was like, that's I'm getting like zero sleep to go home and get some sleep because I'm not recovering because of the lack of sleep. So I spoke to the nurse and the, the doctor and they were like, yeah, you're absolutely grand. You're healing perfectly. She's great. Go on home. So I think I came home after three, maybe four days max. But I think it was three and uh Declan took her for the first two nights so that I could have full night's sleep and oh my god the difference was unreal having her at home all of us sleeping relaxed um so yeah I think it was three days and I had to get get out <laughs> yeah no the world can be quite busy and it can be yeah. if you're not comfortable there you just want to go home but yeah especially if it's busy like yeah. sometimes you can be lucky and there'll be three or four people maybe but when it's busy it's intense and there was a couple of babies who were distressed all the time and I really felt for them but at the same time they were keeping um, us with the sleeping babies awake and how did you feel when you got home then did you do you think you experienced the baby blues at all I think one day I did just one oh there was a couple of things yeah there was one day I, I was looking at her and I felt like she wasn't mine it felt like I was having a bit of a weird experience um and it was just one day and I remember saying to myself that's probably that baby blues thing and funnily enough, I woke, woke up the next day and everything was fine. But I felt a really weird because I was very, I bonded with her very, very quickly. And it was just a really weird sensation of, um, yeah, just feeling like she wasn't mine. It was very strange. And then there was one person in particular 
who was absolutely getting on my last nerve and I'd be fairly chilled out with people people don't tend to annoy me but there was one um person in particular that drove me crazy and I realized it was probably baby blues that it wasn't the person at all um because they don't drive me crazy normally so I thought it was actually the baby blues but I thought the hospital and the health nurse were amazing about the whole um you know depression and everything they really um explained it in detail to Declan what to look out for, what to do, what's normal. Um, I thought that was really, really well done. And again, that wouldn't have been done years ago. It was so treated so carefully and seriously. And uh, yeah, he was he was clear what he should be looking out for, you know, because it was repeated to him so often. I'd look because I don't think you know as the woman sometimes that you're having the baby blues because you're tired and you're all over the place. And who knows if it's you know you're probably questioning yourself. Am I just tired or? you know, is it something that I need to get checked out? So um, I thought it was really well handled back then. And and again, lots of our friends and relatives would have been checking in with Death to make sure I was okay. And kind of, yeah, you could really feel uh, the women keeping a, a special eye on you for those those early weeks. So that was nice. But yeah, I think I had a, a tiny touch of it, but nothing to write home about, you know. And how do you think Deck managed then? Obviously it was he was probably nervous about the whole thing and making sure that you were looked after as well as Sophie. So how do you think he coped? So he was particularly nervous when I was pregnant. Very, very anxious. Wrapped me in cotton wool. Um, was very scared we'd lose another one. Um, and was actually kind of happy with all the puking because every time I got sick, he was like, baby's okay, you know? So, um, but he was, he was very, very nervous. Um, he was nervous at the start. I remember in the hospital, he said to the midwife, will you show us how to bath her? Because both of us, you know, what it's like with first baby, like it's terrifying, isn't it? That first bath. Um, so he was so cute. He was like, literally talked me through everything, you know, and, and had the midwife like literally step by step. And I didn't get that. Can you show me how to do that bit again? I was like, Dad, we'll figure it out. Like, it can't be that hard. We just need to make sure we don't drop her. That's what I'm scared about is that you drop it. Drop a slippy baby. Yeah. You know? <laughs> baby you know out of your hands um so he was really cute but um again I was so lucky after all those years of trying how on earth did we get the timing so spot on but she came at the start of June and he's a school teacher yeah unreal timing and it was lovely to have that again that special time together those three months you know we'd waited a long time for this so it was lovely to be able to grow as a family um where you know a lot of dads are running out every morning you know um so we really got to bond um I didn't lose much weight that summer because literally all we were doing was visiting and having tea and cake with multiple people because it was so easy again because it was two of us so it wasn't like I was entertaining you know people all the time um and then he went back to school and I lost the end of my baby weight when he went back to school because <laughs> I got into a routine of walking and not eating cake every day <laughs> but we we had a blast he used to love doing his nights he'd sit up with her and watch horror movies when she was a couple of weeks old. Like he has a list of all the movies he watched when it was his night on. And uh, he had a blast. Absolutely. He's a great daddy. He is, he's like around his finger. She is, she's um, good. Mad about her. And um, yeah, he's a great daddy and was from the get go. I'd love to hear what you're doing for other couples. I know you're doing a lot behind um, IVF and fertility as well. So I'd love if you could just tell me a little bit more about that, just for other couples yeah. as well. Thanks. Um, that sort of evolved. Um, when we had Sophie first, I started facilitating mystic meetings and then I stopped fairly quickly. 
because I was just far too happy. Um, I wasn't able to manage my emotions in the room uh, because I was just, just, oh, what's the word, glowing with the happiness of finally having my baby. That's not really appropriate. I mean, like, they're not pity parties. People aren't sobbing in a room. But, like, you know, you don't want me jumping around like a, you know, a bouncing ball, um, thrilled with life. Um, so Declan does the facilitating now. Um, he still does, actually. Um, not as much as we used to. But um, we do like to give back there. I do more sort of behind the scenes. Um, I don't think enough people know about Nisig. So um, I, I'd be sort of chatting to them a little bit. I often have ideas about how I can help um, direct people their way. And since I set up my Step B page, I've been able to direct a lot of people um, their way. Uh, and then we regularly just sort of had little brainstorms. Like today I had an idea of something and they had the same idea today as well. And it was really exciting to come up with something. Um, we're writing an article together as well at the moment to help friends and family uh, kind of what to say and what not to say around Brilliant. people who are struggling yeah. having babies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I want to be really clear. I was writing the start of it earlier on. I know that the intentions are solid from people, but it's because they've never been there. Like all of us, you know, you know what it's like when you're not used to grief and your, your, your best friend's dad dies. And you're like, I don't know what to say. So you say something stupid. It's the same. Like when you don't have experience of a situation, you just panic and you say stuff. Um, so I really want to help people. So I'm kind of doing a step-by-step uh, article in this. And they got lots of examples recently. Um, they, they, they did a kind of a poll and they got loads of examples of the kind of things that were said to couples. And some of them are shocking. So I, um, we're writing that together to show people the kind of things that people say, but also to help people be comfortable in an uncomfortable situation. Say nothing, you know, if you can't think of anything. Yeah, um, yeah. So we're doing that. Um, then I've just qualified as a coach and um, I'm starting to get quite interested in coaching for fertility and not counselling because counselling is a lot of going backwards. I'm interested in moving people forwards. Um, so sort of helping them um, reignite other passions in their life because you kind of forget to have fun when you're trying and trying and trying. Um, reignite what other things they're interested in help them do a, an amazing plan B that if you don't have that baby, what's your life going to look like? Like, and you know what? Yeah. You can create an amazing life. So why don't we start thinking about that now while you're trying? Deck and I had an amazing plan B and that really helped. You know, we have a house we love to decorate where we travel, travel, travel. I love my job, you know, so there was loads of things to focus on as well as trying to have a baby. Um, and those plans are still there when you do have the baby. There's still great plans that can be brought That's out. That's a good point, point, actually. You no, know, you don't have to just go because you have a baby. Like, um, And then the other thing I do with my Step B page is try to bring awareness, I suppose, um, to the issues. Um, try and help these ladies have a bit of fun as well. You know, I like to have a laugh and a bit of crack. But I, I every couple of days I'll get a message from somebody who's struggling with a different question or just just wanting to just get it off their chest. And they know that I understand. And again, they don't have to start from scratch. They don't have to start at the beginning of their journey. They can start anywhere they want with me. So I'm doing a few things, but it's um, because I have a full-time job. Everything I'm doing is kind of, I have loads of ideas, but I need to bring them all to life. And I'm doing that through my Step B page. Love looking at your page and your blogs. Thank you. You're very kind. Thank you so much. (laughs) You have a really gorgeous outlook. It's No, it's lovely. Thank you. Well, actually, that's something else I'm trying to do is it's the mindset piece, I suppose, is... You know, 
sometimes shit happens and you know what we can change it by the way we look at it so yeah. that's a huge piece of what I try to do with everybody never mind fertility but I learned it I learned how to do this through my fertility journey I came out yeah. of my fertility journey better than I went into it I'm a better yeah. mom because of it so I wouldn't change it I wouldn't change it for the world yeah. I'm a better mom I'm more patient I'm more loving I'm um I'm better with like support systems if Sophie got me originally she would have got a very anxious very driven she would have got a different a different mom and I think I think the mom I am now is right for the kid I have now you know yeah absolutely yeah okay thank you that was lovely I can't wait to share it with everyone thank you I hope you enjoyed this week's episode if you'd like to share your story you're more than welcome to simply pop me an email to irelandsbirthstories at gmail.com or you can find me on instagram under irelandsbirthstories I look forward to bringing you another episode next week Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.